Welcome to the Happiness Playbook, a podcast dedicated to the belief that life is a team sport. I'm your host, Larie Florence, and this is our last week of our Play Theory Bootcamp, where we're upping our happy game. How did you do applying last week's principle, accept and build, saying yes and? Were you able in conversations to practice saying the word yes and then validating something that was said before sharing any negative thoughts? One of our listeners, Michael Thomas, shared how she was able to recognize that she could be better at validating others' ideas, even if she couldn't immediately accept them. She thought she could say something like, I hear you, and I'm going to give this some consideration before I give my answer. She gave this example specifically, quote, Another example is shutting down my husband's ideas when first presented to me. I often mull them over and come back to him later in a more cooperative state of mind. And I've been telling myself that I just need to process. But the reminder of the power of accept and build really makes me want to truly change that pattern. I need to find ways to say yes and, or at the very least, to say, I hear what you're saying. Can I take a little while to mull that over before responding? Unquote. Thanks for the feedback, Michael. Those are great observations. And please keep up the good work in seeking to change your knee-jerk reaction. A shift in mindset is the way to make that happen. So you're well on your way. In full disclosure, I know Michael pretty well. We spent 10 days on a boat in the Galapagos together, and she serves with me at Take Note Troop. She's a very generous person. I know accepting and building is absolutely one of her superpowers. That being said, because she took the time to think about and evaluate her mindset, she found room for improvement. That's why a happiness practice is so important. It's not a one and done. Like exercise or yoga, you have to do it regularly to see results. And like any skill you're trying to master, you have to practice it regularly with intention to improve. That's the power of the Happiness Playbook Podcast. We're here to help you practice the skill of happiness by helping you with a proactive mindset that fosters positive interactions with others, that validates and encourages. The principle of accept and build. While in conversation, if you can find something to agree with before stating a challenge or offering your opinion, you will build positive new relationships and improve existing ones. This is an idea that can take a lot of time to wrap your thinking around, just like as in Michael's example. She's familiar with play theory and knows the nano statement, accept and build. But by focusing on it, she could find another level to apply it to in her life. It's not surprising that accept and build is a tough one to fully grasp. It's totally counter to our current fear-based, defensive, divide-and-conquer culture which makes us so fear-based it can be too frightening to imagine anything except a defensive stance. Isn't there a phrase in sports, though? The best defense is a good offense. Accepting and building is just that. You're leading out with positive rather than hunkering down and anticipating the negative. I speak from experience when I say it can be a tough mindset to accept. When I graduated from university, I was a counselor at a home for teens just out of juvenile hall. It was a demanding job that involved loads of training. 
there was one corporate workshop that introduced this idea of saying yes instead of no, and even challenged us to eliminate the word but entirely from our vocabulary. I guess I didn't get it because I came home and totally mocked this concept to my husband, telling him how ridiculous that idea would be in practice on the job. Well, or should I say, whelp, as life so often does, I got a second chance. Guess who organized that workshop that I attended where I learned that valuable concept of accept and build? Sue Walden. She was the founder of Flash Family, and she was the same person who had presented that idea of saying yes all those years before at that earlier corporate workshop. Sometimes just because we aren't ready for something doesn't mean that thing isn't right. It just may not be the right time. So don't give up on this one, even if it feels uncomfortable or too hard. Stay open to the possibilities. All right, before we get into today's practice, it's time for our team huddle. How are we doing? Did you see the link on our social media for a feedback survey? Look for the Happiness Playbook on Insta or the Play Theory page on Facebook and find our post with the survey link. All advancement requires assessment, and we need your feedback about how the Happiness Playbook is doing after a year of podcasts. We sincerely want this to be about supporting and serving our community. Please let us know how we're doing. You can also visit playtheory.org and request a link to the survey there. It'll just take a minute, really, no time at all. We won't ask for your phone number or share it with anybody else, so please take a moment and let us know how we're doing. Thank you to those who have shared a review or left a rating, except for that one person who left a one star that pulls us down out of our 73 ranks. We have one one star, so instead of a five, we're a 4.9. Go figure. Just so that everyone's real clear here, that means that you do make a difference. Without that one star, we'd have a five-star ranking instead of a 4.9 ranking. But I digress. Thank you for leaving us feedback already if you have reviewed or ranked us on iTunes or made comments on the episode webpage. It really means a lot to us. I think everyone wants to make the world a better place. Some of us get hung up on doing it in some huge way, when in reality, we can have the most impact in the simple things within our sphere of influence, like leaving a review. That might help another person who really needs the wisdom we share to find the podcast. It definitely puts fuel in our tank to keep going. So thank you. All right, enough with the team huddle. It's time to get on with our play-by-play. We're wrapping up our play theory boot camp with the last of the four play theory principles. Look outward. Last week, I promised we talk about the last principle or what we like to call the sum in the play theory equation of life. When you add be present to let go and play and times it by accept and build, you get look outward. A great way to sum up, pun intended, this principle is with the idea, make your partner look good. In life, we're surrounded with partners, some of our choosing and others we're stuck with. Regardless, when we play on the same team with them, If they win, we win. Look outward can also be summed up by one of Stephen Covey's famous seven habits for a highly effective life. Think win-win. Rather than viewing everyone around you as an adversary, 
See them as a fellow traveler here on the planet, sharing this specific time and place with you. That really is a remarkable thing if you think about it. Every person we cross paths with is a unique opportunity if we are open to it. But I digress. That's a rather deep dive we don't have time for today. Back to the topic of look outward. Here's another angle you can take. As a director of stage theater, I'm always reminding actors to make their partner look good, meaning their scene partner. Think about it. If the person in your scene isn't believable, then your scene isn't believable. And if you're in that scene, you aren't believable. And for an actor, that's bad. Scripted theater is one thing. In unscripted theater, this principle is even more important. Last week, we talked about how accepting and building is the foundation of improv. There's a story told about the late John Candy's audition at Second City, a very influential hub of creativity comparatively like the Harvard for comedians. A lot of talent is developed in this improv group. Well, when John auditioned, his scene partner was trying really hard to pull out all the stops of funny and wasn't listening, let alone accepting and building on anything John Candy was offering. Wisely, John stopped trying to wrest the spotlight from the egomaniac he was sharing the stage with and just started leaning in 120% to everything his scene partner was offering, even if it wasn't funny. As expected, with such an inwardly focused scene partner, nothing magic happened and John thought for sure he hadn't made the cut. It turned out that the directors let him know because he was willing to bend over backwards to try to make such a terrible scene partner look good, they wanted him in the cast. Let me repeat, John Candy's commitment to accepting and building on whatever his scene partner offered and his effort to make his scene partner look better than he was landed him the place in Second City that became the launch of his career on Saturday Night Live and in the film industry. As he continued to try to make others look their best and look outward, he couldn't help but look good in the process. Ralph Waldo Emerson has said, It is one of the most beautiful compensations in life that no man can sincerely try to help another without helping himself. James N. Barry, who was the author of Peter Pan, said it this way, Those who bring sunshine into the lives of others cannot keep it from themselves. In theater, it's pretty clear who our scene partners are. Have you ever stopped to consider who your scene partners are in life? Let's talk about the obvious ones, like our spouses, our boyfriend or girlfriend, our significant others. Consider then the poor logic in not making this person that we chose look good. They'll absolutely be a reflection of us. Why wouldn't we want to represent them in the best light possible? Actually, I do have some ideas about that after having years of therapy. There can be some deep-seated insecurities that lead us to self-sabotage. And I encourage anyone who struggles with this issue to get some professional help. If you're not too far in, though, remember, your significant other is yours, not in the sense of ownership, but that you chose them. 
If you don't look outward and try to represent them in a positive light, that's like buying a new pair of shoes and then if someone compliments you, you trash talk the shoes. Hold up a sec. Didn't you buy the shoes? Didn't you choose the shoes from all the others available? Okay, I'm getting a message from my crystal ball of mind reading. Some of you may be thinking, okay, sure, but sometimes we don't get to choose our partners. I hear you. And yes, that is absolutely true. But think about it. If they're your partner in some sense, any sense of the word, they're on your team, in your church group, a part of your family, then they're on your side and they're not the the opponent. There may be other people opposing you. Think about a pickleball match. If you're playing on a doubles team, then you have two opponents across the line trying to thwart your every effort. So why invite one more to their side by making an enemy of your teammate? Here's another angle on why look outward is so valuable. Dr. Martin Seligman long ago figured out that there are three types of happiness. And let me check my crystal ball of mind reading again. What's that? Yep, we all want to be happy. We may have different ideas of how to get there, but we all want to feel happy. So here's the three types Dr. Seligman identified. Pleasure, satisfaction, and meaning. Let's break it down. Number one, pleasure feels great in the moment, but we all know it's fleeting. We love that double scoop of chocolate, double fudge deliciousness, but once the cone is gone, so's the pleasure, and we are more times than not left with regret. Number two, satisfaction. This happens as we use our unique gifts frequently. This one's better than pleasure because it lasts longer and there's not the regret. But what about when we can't do it? Maybe we have an illness like chronic fatigue or we can't find a pickleball court to play on that fits our schedule. A lot of folks spend a lot of time working out the logistics around this one. That's not a bad thing. There is a better one though, and that's number three, meaning. This is when we use our unique gifts for a purpose greater than ourself. In this scenario, we're looking outward and trying to serve another person. It might not be the funnest way to use our gifts or talents, but it can feel the most appreciated way to share them and gives us the longest lasting feeling of joy and happiness. William Blake said, we are all looking for purpose. It is best found outside ourselves. He also said this about mankind's search for purpose and meaning. I sought my God and my God I couldn't find. I sought my soul and my soul eluded me. I sought to serve my brother in his need, and I found all three, my God, my soul, and thee. I love that. I hope you can hit you know 15 seconds back and replay that one. In today's world, we're told we'll find answers to the need to find purpose by looking inward. An article in Relevant Magazine addresses this idea. 
despite the fact that 91% of Americans agree with the statement, quote, the best way to find yourself is by looking within yourself, unquote. The article's title reads, quote, want to find yourself? Stop looking within yourself, unquote. It's an interesting read that talks about how we really aren't going to find our purpose if we're only looking inward. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Of course, we do need to be introspective, and self-care is absolutely essential if we're going to be able to care for others. But the idea that we'll find purpose without connection and interaction is ill-founded. We need each other to learn, to serve, to love, and that is the root of our last play theory principle. Only when we're present with another person and we let go of our judgments and forgive our mistakes and step in to interact wholly while we accept and build upon one another's another's ideas, can we truly see others and look beyond ourselves and outwards. Fred Rogers, the famous Mr. Rogers of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, had this down pat. Each day on set, after all the building and accepting and letting go and playing previously done to get to the place where the cameras were rolling, he would drop into the present moment and focus in on the camera lens, looking outward into the home of a small child he imagined there on the other side of that camera, listening as he shared something he hoped would serve and help. It's no wonder that Fred later became a trusted voice to assuage our fears after the tragedy of 9-11 with his powerful advice to look for the helpers whenever there was tragedy or hardship. He promised we would always be able to find someone trying to help and serve one another. I believe him. As a theater director, I've learned that looking outward is truly a superpower. Over the years, I've seen some kids with stage fright. It's asking a lot to memorize long paragraphs in old English and then to go out on stage and hope you can remember it all while in front of hundreds of people, some of whom you know. And you may be wearing some crazy costume or worse, tights and pumpkin pants. Anyway, every time stage frights reared its head, I have reminded the actor to look outward. And instead of thinking and worrying about themselves, to think about how to make their scene partner look great, or how to look outward and serve the audience by making sure they can hear and understand the message that's been prepared. And as Dr. Seligman found, if the actor has found some meaning or purpose in their role that they want to share with the audience, they're even more empowered to perform well. One year our Shakespeare in the Park was The Tempest. It's one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. Some consider it autobiographical as it comes at the end of an illustrious career, and the main character, Prospero, has this really powerful monologue about stepping away from the important work he has been pursuing. For our staging, we had cast Prospero as Prospera, a woman. In the plot, Prospero sets all these things in action in order to provide a good future for her daughter. At the end of the play, she has to say goodbye because her daughter has fallen in love and will be leaving her. 
Well, our Prospera, or actress, Rachel Hodgson, was a senior about to graduate and was facing the prospect of leaving her mother and stepping away into the great unknown future. As we worked together and connected the dots between the fictional Prospera's experience and what she was going through with Rachel's own mother's experience, she was able to share a beautiful depiction of a mother's love and the hope juxtaposed by the pain of sending a child out into the world who, although well-prepared, would be sorely missed back at home. As you can imagine, every single show as Rachel stood on stage and looked outward towards her mom's experience of having to say goodbye to her daughter, there wasn't a dry eye in the audience. Her performance actually won her an Ellie, a prestigious regional theater award. And more than that, much more long-lasting, by looking outward, Rachel was able to relate to her mom's experience, which brought them closer together. Look outward is essential for connection. Without it, our individual experiences contract into ever-limiting, one-sided perspectives based solely on our own experience. This, of course, is a false reality because we are all intimately related. Even the most selfish of us must come to see that our actions come back to affect ourselves. Ironically, in the end, Looking outward is self-serving. When we do good, we get good done to us. We are also the beneficiaries. Okay, that sums up the happiness equation. When we think of others rather than ourselves, it cultivates confidence and a sense of purpose. As we turn outward and seek to make our partners look good, we end up looking great. Generous intentions build trust and win-win thinking creates synergy. We could all use more of that. For our play of the week, I'll leave you with a couple of game changers you can pull out anytime. The next time you're with another person or pet, if you're blessed with a special four-legged friend who has a personality that merits interaction, look at them and ask yourself, how can I add value to them? Maybe it's a word of praise. Maybe it's a warm smile or a validating hug. Look at them. See them. With the coronavirus, we're hearing a lot about ICUs, which means intensive care unit. Listen again, though. I see you. When we see each other, it is an invaluable form of caring and connection. Did you know that making eye contact releases a feel-good brain chemical called dopamine? People are hardwired for connection, and we can't do that if we're always looking inward. So care more about others. Give them a little tender ICU care. Your workout this week is to consider the importance of looking outward. Notice when you're able to do it. And when you need to take some time for self-focus or self-care. To really see results, think about someone on your team. Maybe it's a sibling, co-worker, or your spouse. And take a few minutes and really think about what life looks like from their perspective. Find a few questions you can ask about their experience. And take time to reach out and connect. Maybe it's a simple thing like, how is it being the oldest in our family? 
Or maybe you'll feel impressed to go deeper with something like, what was it like when your parents divorced? Ask with sincere interest and then listen. Validate their answer and check in with how you feel. Since you just made your partner look good, you'll probably feel great. Keep working on this mindset and practicing the skill and pretty soon you'll be able to run a proverbial look outward Ironman. And if you want to go the extra smile, look outward and help your happiness playbook teammates out here on the happiness playbook podcast. Join the conversation on our social media. Leave a review on iTunes. We would love to hear from you. And if you value what you've learned here, look outward and think about others you know that would be benefited by listening to the Happiness Playbook and invite them to do the Play Theory Boot Camp. When we teach, we learn. By looking outward and sharing the Play Theory principles with others, we increase our awareness and understanding while also enhancing our ability to practice it. Life truly can be a win-win. We all want the world to be a better place, and this is how it happens, one interaction at a time. Now, as we wrap up our happiness boot camp, let us know on playtheory.org or on our social media if you made it through all four principles, and we'll send you a Play Theory sticker you can put somewhere to remind you to keep going on your happiness practice and to remind you of what we're working on here at the Happiness Playbook. Remember, as U Downs has once said, a happy person is not a person in a certain set of circumstances, but rather a person with a certain set of attitudes. Here at the Happiness Playbook, consider us your personal happiness coach at the ready to help you develop the attitudes and mindset needed to achieve happiness. Next week, Neil Hooper will be back as our regular host and happiness coach extraordinaire. So stay tuned and keep listening for more tips on how to up your happy game. Till then, catch you next time.